The Charlotte Hornets lose big over the weekend against the Philadelphia 76ers, but can they still follow the plan to possibly get that eight seed? We'll talk about that. Gordon Hayward's minutes and the rotation the Hornets are going with. Also a Terry Rozier mini slump. That's all today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. <laughs> Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available on all platforms. That includes YouTube. You can follow me on Twitter at Walker Mail, Doug on Twitter at Doug Branson L O H, and you can find the show handle on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Doug, the hoodie is fluorescent. I feel like you don some new Hornets gear pretty frequently, or at least some Hornets gear that I don't see you wear all that often. Is that true? And is that true with this hoodie? Yeah, that was the it was the latter. Yeah, okay. I just don't don it very often. And uh, we've got a little cold spell here in Nashville, Tennessee, and that will do it for weather on the ones. Uh, and, <laughs> in Nashville. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, yeah, we got a little cold spell, so I had to break out the hoodie one more time. Yeah, I just don't uh, I don't break it out very much lately. Okay, well, it looks great. You are shining, unlike the Charlotte Hornets and their performance against the Philadelphia 76ers. And so the plan was, Doug, to try to go like four and two the last six games and to go three and two the last five to have a good shot at this eight seed. It's been chaotic. Things have happened with the Nets, the Hornets, the Hawks, everybody involved. And this was kind of a built-in loss, but not maybe a 30 point loss where they allow close to 90 in just one half of basketball. They allowed more than 80 points, 86 to be exact in the second half. So it wasn't very good. We'll get, we'll get to that in just a moment. The big story heading into this one though, it was actually broken. I believe Friday and um, yeah, it was Friday, you know, sometime in the afternoon, of course. Yeah, of course it was. That's how it goes. And it was broken then that Gordon Hayward was actually going to come back for this game against the Philadelphia 76ers. And the big question was, how is the rotation going to look immediately once he comes back? And the question still remains, how are things going to change as you get closer to the very end of the regular season, which you're kind of there now leading into a permanent play in spot. Like that's it. You're that's etched in stone. You are good to go. We'll see about the playoffs. So Gordon plays off of the bench, 17 minutes goes two of six from the field, Hits one of the two three-pointers that he took, four assists, one steal, three rebounds, one turnover, five points in all. If you want want more of that, plus minus was a minus four. His rotation, he kind of comes in at the end of the first, sits the beginning of the second, comes in at the end of the second, end of the third, doesn't play at all in the fourth. So does not play that many minutes, right? 17 minutes coming in and comes off of the bench. What did you make of that storyline? Gordon trying to get integrated back into the rotation, how he looked, and James Brago's handling of it all. Yeah, I thought it looked uh, he looked pretty good in that first quarter. And if you look at the plus-minus numbers for this game, uh, he was a minus four, uh, which doesn't sound great. But when you consider that Plumlee and Rozier were minus 25, LaMelo Ball was minus 31, Bridges was minus 25, like the starters – did not have a good run at things. P.J. Washington, uh, the player that he would probably replace in the starting lineup, was a minus three as well because uh, he was involved in some of those uh, decent bench minutes in, in that first half before the shellacking in the second half. 
I think it's weird. I think it's weird to bring Gordon Hayward back. We didn't hear much about him coming back, and then like it's all of a sudden he's back, but he's back with the bench, which is not like terribly unusual for a starter that's been out a while to mm-hmm. work themselves back in. We were so used to that with Cody Zeller. Like Cody Zeller would have these long stretches where he'd be out, that he'd work back from the bench, but you always knew that he was going to be starter. But like just judging from the postgame comments, it didn't seem like it was that same kind of thing. Like everybody was sort of on the same page about where Gordon was going to be. Did it seem like that to you? It all seemed very weird to me. Well, th- those comments that are coming afterwards, it-, it feels like Miles Bridges, especially, and not even just especially, but he was among the people that were talking. We understand that the rotation is going to get shaken up a little bit, and that's just how it is. It's about something bigger than our individual self. It's about trying to get a play in win and eventually get to the playoffs and Gordon Hayward is going to be a part of that. And I think everybody understands that Gordon Hayward deserves to be a part of the rotation. It's just how much. And so some of the players that would have been affected, it would have been miles bridges, PJ Washington, just trying to figure out where they're going to play starting three, four PJ going back to the five a little bit, exactly what was going to happen there. Then Kelly Oubre and Jalen McDaniels were the next two guys on the list. What's going to happen with those players. Kelly Oubre plays 22 minutes. He goes four of eight from the field, only hits one of the four three-point shots. So don't know if he is back to the old Kelly after he did have that uh, the good game most recently, though, coming into this one. But, you know, Kelly comes in at the end of the first, starts the second. He plays the entire fourth quarter. So that eats up a lot of his minutes. And he goes, um, and, and Kelly, if you look at what he did there, goes three of five. That's when most of his damage was done. But Jalen McDaniels only plays seven minutes. Like, so that's how it kind of breaks down. How do you feel about all of that? Does it look like Jalen is the odd man out in this scenario? Well, it just seems like uh, some of the veterans on this team are getting a little bit impatient with how many players are playing. The fact that Jalen McDaniels did play. I mean, you had so Terry Rozier's comments were, we need to figure this out. Playing it like an AAU team, I don't think that is best for us, but we are definitely going to need G. He's been our key piece since he's got here. So we need to work around that and figure it out but he also said you can't make everybody happy that's just what it is I don't know if he's referring to James Borrego I don't know if he's shortening the rotation or whatever it is but everybody can't be happy that's just the way it goes yeah uh so it it just seems like and that's coming off a 30 point loss an embarrassing loss so you've got some frustration uh Bridges mentioned that people were going to have to sacrifice minutes were going to have to be sacrificed I just think it's a weird situation when you bring bring a guy in the record, you know, the record with him out was, it wasn't something like, you know, (laughs) again, going back for some of the people that are listening to this show for this first season or haven't been with us for a while. um, There was always several years ago when Cody Zeller would miss time. There was always these just ridiculous records of like when Cody Zeller didn't play, the Hornets would just lose basketball games. It was inexplicable. Was. Yeah. It wasn't It wasn't like Cody Zeller was putting up – we all know he wasn't putting up LeBron James numbers. He wasn't doing it in the box score. But it was just something about Cody Zeller uh, being out that, that just had ripple effects on the Hornets' rotation and roster and caused them to lose basketball games. Hasn't been the case with Gordon Hayward been, being out. Like, not, I mean, the well, record not lately. Is, I remember, yeah. like, at first we kept referencing that record where it was awful, and then – Hornets started new season, new team. Well, and they started to play without him pretty well. And they started to figure out miles bridges became a go-to guy in the half court, you know, and that Terry Rozier was kind of that guy. Lamelo has been playing his best basketball, despite the, the poor shooting night the other night, everything else was great. You know, like it's, 
he had turnovers in this Philly game, but Lamelo has been playing insane. And so like everybody stepped up to the point where that record without Gordon Hayward, if you would have given the filter of it, like the last 15 games or so, I, I don't know what the exact filter would be, but like, Oh, okay. That's not necessarily a thing anymore. And now he plays 17 minutes and they lose by 30. And I was, uh, yeah. And in my opinion is that I think if Gordon Hayward is fully healthy and you weren't going to try to work him back from the bench, then the best option, if you really feel like Gordon Hayward is going to be essential to your playoff success, then the best option in that game and moving forward is just to put him, put him in the starting lineup and go, hey, we're going to put our best players out on the floor as our, as our starting lineup and, and let our bench be our bench. And mm -hmm. the Hornets' bench has been a strength for them. When they're winning basketball games, the bench has been a strength for them. And I don't think it was necessarily great for them to mix, you know, to mess with that bench rotation that they've had. Um, the starters haven't been <laughs> the Hornets' strength this season. And uh, they certainly weren't the strength for, large for part, them yeah. in, in that game against Philadelphia. So I think it was a bad move. And I think I think Borrego's got to get it figured out. And, and he sort of referenced that he has to figure it out after this game. I want to talk more about that and those Terry Rozier comments, too. I want to get to that in the next segment. But we got to move on to the next segment. Let's get there now by talking about Built Bar. This is the time of year. I know a lot of people have given up on New Year's resolutions, but not this year. Stick to it. Go to built.com, get you a, a box of built bars, whether they're the puffs, the OG flavors, the staples, the limited time flavors, which are always my favorite. The banana cream pie is so good. They might be your new favorite too if you try them, but it doesn't matter what flavor you get. They're all covered in 100% real chocolate. They're low calorie, they're high protein. They're also low sugar and they're low in carbs, but they're high in fiber. It's healthy for you. Go to built.com, scroll down to the macros chart. You'll be blown away. High protein, low cal, high fiber, low carb. We've already mentioned that stuff. It bears repeating again. Go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. I want to touch again on those Terry Rozier comments. Is there anybody else he could be referencing? That's coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. Mitch Kupchak has outright told us that they probably got a little ahead of themselves with this playoff mandated season. And that interview that he had with Sam Farber, he's like, you know, we probably were a little too froggy at the beginning and we felt really good. That's fine. Did he say froggy? Did he, he did really drop froggy. a froggy? I said froggy. I was, All right. I, he didn't say that quote unquote. But I have to I have to imagine he was feeling that in his soul. <laughs> I was I would be I would be really surprised if Mitch Kupchak mm -hmm. threw in a froggy. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. I don't think Mitch Kupchak has ever felt froggy in his life. I think that's too <laughs> it moves too fast for Mitch. He's he's only felt tortoisey at times. That's the best that he's ever felt. That's the speed in which he goes. Um, <laughs> this is not necessarily a Mitch Kupchak problem, at least what he needs to address. Maybe the personnel issues are Mitch Kupchak's problem. We've heard JB reference that before when asked about backup point guards and stuff like that. But this is going to be a JB thing, trying to figure out how to make all of these players work on the court. You mentioned that Terry Rozier comment, how not everybody can be happy. Everybody's going to have to sacrifice something. Even Miles talked about that. Here's, look, hey, can you play the uh, speculation sound? I need that for this next yep, comment, yep, if you don't yeah, mind bringing that you. up. Here we go. And no, I don't want to speculate. There you go. You're good. Thank you. All right. So I'm free. I am cleansed with the speculation aura. What I will say about this is we know that James Borrego has been a guy. Is it still rolling? Man, that was a long time that that was rolling. I'm sorry. Anyways, we know James Borrego 
has been someone that a lot of people have kind of referenced as a player's coach. Maybe that's dwindled away a little bit as you kind of get through James Brago's tenure here. You can also kind of sense those comments going towards maybe players. I don't know what players, but we do know, and I talked about this with James Plowright just last week, Kelly, once again, Kelly Oubre dropped how he thinks he's a starter. You know, he had some comments that were interesting in that interview with Rod Boone. And we know that Kelly has done this before with the Golden Mm -hmm. State Warriors. Like Mm -hmm. this is, look, this is just outright on record for Kelly Oubre talking about how he feels about himself as a basketball player. And so now when Terry Rozier and my time, odd time to drop those comments too. you know, you know, (laughs) you're not, you're not really, you're not really rolling sevens. Well, And and Kelly is not playing them. I mean, he's, he's a little bit uh, playing more now, right? Like over 20 minutes. And he, he went off the other night, which was great. I think he was eight Mm -hmm. of 11 uh, from the field and and the most recent win, the Knicks win coming into that game against Philly. But I, I just, I, I just, it would match up, right? The puzzle pieces would fit if they were directing comments towards maybe a group of players. I don't know who else that would include. I do know what we've heard publicly from Kelly Oubre, and it seems like those puzzle pieces would fit together if Terry and Miles were talking to certain players. Hey, JB, got to figure it out. We know that JB has been upfront with people. I don't know if that's changed. I know that he does try to make everybody happy and that could also go the opposite way in the locker room. Like that's something he's got to figure out that, Hey, sorry, here comes the problems of being an NBA coach, you know, boo hoo. That's just the thing he's got to deal with. But if there is a player, those comments are directed towards Kelly Oubre has made some public ones here recently. Well, let's just roll through the bench. So the the bench unit that he's got to figure out, you know, who's out and who's in. I mean, Cody Martin has been uh, an essential defensive piece for this team and has improved his three-point shooting. Tough not to play him. Gordon Hayward now on the bench, maybe soon starting. Uh, you know, he's he's the guy that you're paying the most money and has been a starter for some 12-odd years and is used to that role. It would be tough to – I mean, I don't think he's going to drop out of the rotation. Montrez Harrell – I mean, the the trade deadline uh, steal has been amazing, has improved your ability to finish at the rim, has played really well alongside LaMelo Ball. I I just don't see him falling out. Kelly Oubre, at the beginning of this season, we were talking about him for possibly sixth man of the year, most improved player. His hot shooting really powered that team early in the season, but then he slumped. Isaiah Thomas, a 10-day contract, turns into a full season, rest of the season contract, and he's been, uh, at times, a powerhouse offensively, at times, an inefficient shooter um, and also uh, has formed a relationship with LaMelo Ball that allows him to play off ball. So I say all of that, not even mentioning Jalen McDaniels, to say that all of these individuals have had roles, had defined roles, and had success um, you know, within this team. So he's got tough decisions to make. Yeah, and look, we have the speculation soundbite played for a reason. There's no reporting. There's no anything that that's exactly what Terry or Miles meant. I will say, like, we've heard these comments from Kelly before. I've already mentioned that. That's just one thing. I, I, I wonder, like, how much players are willing to give up their playing time and, you know, and, and vice versa. And, like, the other thing about Gordon real quickly, a lot of people, he's really polarizing player, and a lot of Hornets fans dislike. A lot of LaMelo fans dislike Gordon Hayward. A lot of people that pay attention to the team want to move on from him. And I get all of that, honestly. Like, the lack of availability, there are reasons to want to move on from him, even if it's just – financially it would make sense i totally get it at the at the same time can we all agree that he's at least a top five player on this roster that gordon hayward is yeah so so if he's a top five guy 
I mean, a top seven player would need to get some rotation minutes, even trying to bring him back within the lineup. If that's mm-hmm. the case, then it does come down to just simply playing your best basketball players. If Gordon Hayward is a top seven basketball player on this team, then he's got to find some minutes, even if it's just 20. Like, I don't mind not even starting him. If you want to put Miles at the three, PJ at the four, you feel like you need a big body, put Mason or Trez and split their minutes like Borrego's kind of been rolling with. Cool, do that. And the starting backcourt ain't changing. It shouldn't, right? LaMelo locked in, Terry locked in. Gordon's going to get some of those minutes. And like, that's that's how it should be, even if he is coming off of the injury. Yeah, so tough decisions. Um, yeah. And again, it comes off this 30-point uh, embarrassing loss. I mean, that third quarter, I just really felt like the backcourt, both members of the backcourt let the team down. LaMelo Ball turning the basketball over, Matisse Thibel eating his lunch, uh, I thought there were some missed rotations. And then man, Tyrese Maxey, there's just no other way to put it. Absolutely eviscerated Terry Rozier. I don't mm-hmm. know if it was just lack of focus. I don't know if uh, there's, you know, the frustration after the game was actually frustration before the game and in the game. And uh, there, there was some some issues there or or just I don't know what it was, but Maxie absolutely handled Rozier. Uh, Thibel was a tough matchup for LaMelo Ball. And um, yeah, I just it was it was a bad game, I think, for both of those players. Terry Rozier uh, Walker is in is in a mini slump. I mean, if you look at my mouse is not cooperating with me here, but if you look at the game log past four games, 10 points against the New York Knicks, 15 points on 31 percent shooting. That Philadelphia game, 22% shooting, 12 points on 35% shooting against Denver, 14 points against Brooklyn, 41.7%. It's not all about points, but with Terry Rozier, if he's not scoring 20-plus, it's a problem. Kind of (laughs) is. It's it's a problem. (laughs) (laughs) And look, I I do think as hard as I've been on Terry Rozier as a decision maker with the basketball in his hands, you know, when you're hitting as well as you have been the last two years in the mid-range, inside the the three-point line, I do think his playmaking has gotten better. I don't, it's not, it's not anywhere in the same realm of a LaMelo ball or, you know, any, anybody like that, that's going to be in the backcourt, but I do think it's gotten better. He had the eight assist game against Denver had six against Philadelphia, but you're right, Doug, like Terry, Terry's here to shoot. He's here to score. And the fact that he hasn't scored anything above 15 points, the last four games, you would like him to score better than that. He hadn't shot anything above 42% in the last four games. He is in mini slump. And it's kind of sneaky too, because when you mentioned that to me, I I didn't even realize it. And then you go back and then you see the numbers. I think it's because he does still hit some big shots, you know, mm-hmm. like even in, I, I'm trying to think of what game it was. Maybe it was against New York. If I wasn't mistaken, did he have like a big three in, in that game? And then eventually everybody else had to take over. Well, he um, had one three. So if it was, uh, okay. You know, it so was maybe in the it was fourth late. quarter, it was probably big. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah, it kind of sneaked up on me a little bit with uh, Terry having his mini shooting slot. Yeah, and and uh, the the difficult thing is that he's played a ton of minutes this season. And so the question is, are we seeing the same thing that happened last season where he started to sort of lose steam towards the end of the year and we all pointed to the minutes played and the responsibility that he had within the offense? Is, is that taking its toll again, or is he just – in a mini slump. I'll say this and kind of put a bow on on both of the things that we talked about in this segment. I think it is a really bad timing for a Terry Rozier mini slump, and it's really bad timing to be figuring out how to shorten your rotation 
with four games left to play before yeah. a possible play-in elimination game. Just seems really late in the season for that kind of thing. Both Rozier and Borrego got to get it figured out. Uh, now ski. <laughs> throw a ski on there because that's how yeah. big this Ooh, is a little that, now that, ski yeah that's how you provide a sense of urgency if you throw a ski on there then you need to immediately <laughs> fix the problems at hand let's talk about bet online before we move on to the last segment it's your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info find all the latest sports developments including this week's masters champion odds podcast reviews for all the different leagues this season bet online is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information including live betting esports and scores as well head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in the action bet online where the game starts let's go to one more segment we'll do a standings check we'll talk about um maybe my media softball game and how i did did i embarrass myself once again we'll talk about that coming up on the lockdown hornets podcast this is Locked on Hornets. We need Mitch Kupchak to throw a party like Sam Presti. Can he party like Presti and Russell Westbrook? <laughs> yeah, but who are you going to get to perform? Because remember, Nas. they got Nas. I, they did get Nas. Man, who is Mitch Kupchak getting to that Nelly. party to perform? Can we get Nelly? No. Can we get- P. <laughs> I hate you right now. <laughs> it's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. A common theme to the show as the Hornets have cemented a play-in spot and they're trying to get as high up into the playoffs as possible. How about this? Just a ridiculous standings check when you think about what we all thought was going to happen at the beginning of the season. The Brooklyn Nets are currently in the 10 spot right now. Just unbelievable. They are 40 and 38, just like the Charlotte Hornets, who are the nine seed. The Atlanta Hawks, they've won five straight. They're seven and three in their last 10, just like the Charlotte Hornets are. And the Hawks are the eight seed, a game above Hornets. So the Cleveland Cavaliers, they're a game and a half up on Atlanta. They are two and a half games up on the Charlotte Hornets in the play-in tournament. I still uh, think, go ahead. Cleveland Cleveland lost to Philadelphia as well, but they didn't mm-hmm. get embarrassed. You know, we didn't mention that yeah. in the last segment. Uh, that that Philadelphia loss was an expected loss for the Charlotte Hornets. I I don't know what the line was, but I guarantee you, you know, playing at Philly and the way they, even though they've beaten Philly, finally got that off their back. Uh, this was an expected loss for the Charlotte Hornets, but I didn't expect them to lose by thirty. I mean, that's the embarrassing part. Cleveland at least competed in their game against Philly. Yeah, and the Hornets have competed uh, against Philly throughout the season, and it was again mm-hmm. the second half. Um, of the Charlotte Hornets game where that that was the separator because they were there heading into the locker room, right? The Hornets yeah. were down by, I think, four or five points going into the locker room. And then the third quarter happened, Philadelphia outscores them by 20. That was the ball game. And, you know, look, so like when we even talk about Kelly Oubre getting those minutes, he played the whole fourth quarter. And, you know, that was already somewhat was garbage time. Yeah, it was pretty much meaningless. And so that's just another thing to consider when trying to figure everything out um, can you've got four more games left. Can the Hornets get the eight seed by going two and two the rest of the way? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, no, I don't think so. I think Atlanta's playing too well. I mean, I honestly, I think they're locked at, I don't, I kind of think this is locked in now. Will will Brooklyn host Charlotte or Charlotte host Brooklyn? I honestly think that's the question at this point. 
Um, I think I think Cleveland and Atlanta are both, both going to finish strong enough to maintain their respective uh, positions. So that's that's my thought on it. Yeah, and so if you look at Atlanta's schedule, I'm trying to pull it up real quickly. We do know that Brooklyn has an easier schedule to finish out the season, which of course you know, like what else? How much help do they need with you know with uh, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant playing for them? But if you look at Atlanta. They're on the road against Toronto and they're on the road against Miami, but they also have a home game against Washington and a road game, but it's against the Houston Rockets. So Atlanta, if they go two and two, they stay ahead of the Charlotte Hornets in that regard as well. And it's going to be tough to catch them. Yeah. I think the, the goal is kind of shifted now. Like you got to steal one. You know, can you, can you get this? You got to steal, steal one two. just to host. You got to steal one just to host a game. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't, I don't think um, eight, I don't know how reasonable eight is. And and again, Philadelphia was an expected loss, but you needed some help too. And and I don't think Atlanta's going to provide that help the rest of the mm-hmm. way. I think Cleveland's pretty solidified at this point. So it's really it really just comes down to whether you're hosting Brooklyn or Brooklyn's hosting you. Um but you know, who knows? Atlanta may yeah. slip. All right. Last thing before we get you out of here, Doug. How was your Tar Heel weekend? You went to North Carolina, you got to see them win the biggest game in college basketball history. Uh, I saw a picture of you wearing the Ramsey's hat, not the big dub hat, but you were wearing the Ramsey's hat. Um, how was it? What did you guys do to watch this game? Oh, I mean, just, you know, just hunkered down, uh, sweated a lot, uh, made <laughs> yeah. some uh, made some sausage balls, made some buffalo chicken dip, really mm. overate, uh, nervous ate the whole time. I mean, I never wanted that matchup to occur because the risk was not worth the reward. Now, yes, I, as someone who attended the University of North Carolina, got the reward, and so now I can sort of hindsight 2020 it and say, oh, yeah, it was great. I'm so glad they played. But uh, for years I've been saying, please don't let these two play because it would be the ultimate sort of ace in the hole when you made that argument about what what was the better program, UNC versus Duke. Uh, Many arguments were had in a high school lunchroom about that, and it was like, oh, well, we won this championship, but we beat you this many times. There were all these points flying around, but ultimately it all kind of equaled out. Uh, But I thought that would be the unequalizer. I will say this. I don't think, because of how close that game was, like if Caleb Love doesn't hit that shot and then Bancaro does hit a shot, you know, we're talking about totally different outcome here. And I don't think, because of how competitive that game was, because of how close it was, I don't think that that game is going to serve as like an ultimate decider about the program. I was just begging, praying that the Tar Heels didn't lose by 20 and that they didn't get run out of the gym in either half, um, that it was a competitive game. And I think that's what you got. You know, certainly a lot of satisfaction for me. I'm glad. Yeah, I'm sure I'm just as satisfied as I don't know how you did in this uh in this uh, league game that you had, and what 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 was it? This uh, baseball game you played? Oh, in? media softball, softball game? game. Yes. Hey, I did not embarrass myself. I didn't slide like an idiot, like I did the first time, where I absolutely destroyed my knee. I mean, I couldn't bend my knee for like a month because of how nasty it was. I don't want to get into details, but that is not something that I did again. I did Good. not make kept any errors. Yep, kept, kept the jersey clean. clean. Kept the jersey clean. Absolutely. Only field of the ground balls in the outfield. Didn't let any get by me. Nobody ran on me, which get was nice. I got two. Hit. I went two for three. All, nice. you know, all, all solid contact. Almost killed QCB. Sorry about that. Because he was you the went, pitcher. Uh, you went one for one on sunburns, let me tell you. <laughs> I was about to like say, a, look how red I like am. an ouchie. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it looks a lot worse on the camera. I promise. On, I know. I didn't put it. I just thought it was going to be fine. But eventually, I look like this. And I'm doing the episode yeah, classic, on YouTube. Classic Charlotte uh, April burn. 
Nick's yeah, on you. aren't expecting it. No, it, yeah. I did not expect it. Went two of three, and then we won. Got the go-ahead run scored by your boy. So, overall, oh, Wow, good are day. you the MVP? Did they throw an MVP trophy out? No, didn't make enough defensive plays. Like, our, it was actually it was actually um, Julian, I forget his last name, for Queen City News, and he was just a human vacuum cleaner at third base where he just gobbled up everything over there. Also had a couple nice hits. He was MVP, but I went two of three. My only miss was a fly ball in the outfield. I felt good. It was better than the first time when you got to watch me play. And so maybe that was the problem. I just needed not as much pressure as Doug Branson oh, oh, watching wow. me play uh, over at Truist Field. All right, that'll do it. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Um, have a great rest of your day. Thanks for making us your first listen. Make your next listen locked on now. Check it out. Nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from local experts. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. Thanks again for joining us. We'll be back with you tomorrow. I think Nick Carboni. I'm going to have to reach out to him either way. It'll be a surprise. So make sure you uh, catch us once again.